EHRs are uh, more focused on interoperability, somewhat thanks to the state government or the federal government, somewhat thanks to the market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HIMSCast. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News. We'll be speaking today about health information exchange, the noun, not the verb. We'll be speaking with an HIE leader about how state and regional exchanges have evolved, how they serve provider members and their patients during the pandemic, and where they might be headed in the future. My guest today is John Kansky, who's president and CEO of Indiana Health Information Exchange. John's also a board member of Civitas Networks for Health and board chair of the Consortium for State and Regional Interoperability. Welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mike. Good to talk with you again. Absolutely. So uh, what's new? What's been new at, at Indiana Health Information Exchange? It has been a busy couple of years since I last spoke to you, I think. Uh, it has been. Uh, and uh, we've uh, the elephant in the room, obviously, pandemic uh, response. And uh, that um, is uh, super interesting, uh, has been interesting for our organization. Um, we were thrust into a role early in the pandemic as um, kind of the state's uh, aggregated single source of data for testing and hospitalizations and things. Uh, I've heard some stories about what happened in other states where there wasn't a statewide health information exchange uh, and it was uh, much more difficult. So we, we felt uh, that we were making an important contribution in supporting um, not just the uh, dashboarding and modeling that the states uh, were doing uh, and policy decision-making and pandemic response, but also our ability to get uh, feedback, um, uh, COVID-19 related uh, clinical information back to providers. So uh, as you alluded, uh, we're, we're pretty busy. What were some of the big challenges, you know, um, particularly in the early days of, you know, March, April, 2020, I mean, it really was kind of a fog of war situation and, and you know, the data exchange uh, challenges were, were quite real. Yeah, fog of war is a really good uh, terminology. And the, in the early, there, there are some interesting lessons learned and probably improvements that are going to result from the last two years of our lives. But uh, going all the way back to the beginning, um, the, the things that come to mind are, uh, number one, our state health department called us up and said, uh, we need data from you because you have all the data for the state. And we said, we have almost all the data for the state. Uh, and so there was a uh, frantic um, uh, activity of not only uh, maybe uh, arm twisting a little bit, uh, some of the data sources that weren't connected and participating in the statewide health information exchange that was done by our state government, which I appreciate. Um, and then frantic uh, weekend hours being burnt, uh, connecting those, those organizations so that we could plumb that information into the uh, in, into the rest of the what was informing the pandemic response. So that was number one. The other thing that comes to mind is that there were policy barriers. There were real and perceived policy barriers when people said, "Okay, send your data to IHI," and they said, "We can't because there's a rule that says we can't." Or the state uh, uh, people were saying, people from the State Department of Health were, well, "We'd like to share this data with you, but we don't have the authority." So there were government executive uh, governors executive orders written to make the way straight that in the months uh, preceding, uh, we had to uh, work uh, through the state legislature and on some data use agreements that didn't exist uh, before the fact to, um, to fix some things more permanently. Once you got your sea legs, you know, to use a metaphor that may not be quite relevant to, to Indiana, um, what uh, were some of the uh, success stories that you that you um, were able to notch? You know, how, how did you kind of help uh, help your, your Hoosiers uh, stay healthy? 
Yeah, I really uh, put those in, in two categories, and I may be going a little more broad than than you meant. But uh, the the initials, you know, there, there's um, uh, you know, the the uh, getting uh, the treatment. I'm so, uh, sorry, getting the testing and hospitalization data uh, in a in a very aggregated, consistent way to support um, the state's decision making and modeling and dashboarding that I that I mentioned. Um, also supporting uh, the Regan Street Institute and the Fairbanks School of Public Health, who is also doing some uh, analysis to help with the pandemic response. Being the single source of, of, of data as an aggregation point was, um, uh, we felt uh, very happy to be able to do that. And there was a lot of uh, pain and suffering uh, associated with that role. Um, then when we moved on to vaccination, um, uh, the, the uh, Credit to our state government for being open-minded and jumping through those data use hoops. We were they were able to share the vaccination uh, status at an identified individual level that we could feed back into our services to support clinicians who needed to know the vaccination status of their their patients. And then something that's less obvious that we were able to do, but definitely a success story, was that as uh, the federal government was put, HHS was putting requirements on hospitals for reporting, we were able to um, uh, basically uh, prepare the reports for the hospitals to pass on to the federal government, uh, which was just helpful to hospitals which were suffering with the circumstances in, in a small way to lower their um, administrative burden. That was category one. Category two that I said I may be going too broad is that, you know, people um, have talked about some silver linings of the pandemic. Um, we have definitely uh, moved forward our uh, relationship with our state government um, across multiple agencies who knew there was a statewide health information exchange and they knew we existed and sometimes they worked with us a little bit, but man, being thrown into this war together, um, there's definitely uh, relationships and value propositions that have been moved forward that I think are going to uh, hopefully be permanent in terms of my organization supporting different agencies of state government. So uh, talk, if you will, a little bit about the Indiana Network for Patient Care. Uh, what is it and what uh, is it enabling? Yeah, this is uh, um, unfortunately uh, a confusing point. So I'm actually glad you brought it up. If anybody reads about the Indiana Network for Patient Care or the INPC, as we call it in these parts, we love uh, acronyms that start with I in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, and it's what I, uh, what I have um, many times publicly called and, and not, not been uh, given any examples to contradict, the nation's largest interorganizational clinical data repository. It is not a legal entity. It is a statewide data cooperative in Indiana that has existed, thanks to the Riggins Street Institute, since the early to mid-1990s. Wow. Uh, and it's been growing ever since. And it supports patient care and it supports public health, but it also supports uh, research. So any of your listeners who are aware of the Regan Street Institute and the uh, uh, pioneering research that they've done in health informatics, it's most of the time been based on data from the Indiana Network for Patient Care. So my organization operates it, runs it, maintains it, grows it, uh, advances it um, uh, to support um, our services, but it is not a legal entity. It is a contractually defined 
governed uh, giant data repository of clinical data and claims data. And it's it's more than 120 hospitals and, and nearly 20,000 practices. Is that uh, is that true? Uh, to, practices take advantage of the information. Some many contribute. Uh, 120 hospitals contribute. Uh, payers contribute, including uh, Medicaid. Um, and we're constantly, my entire career at IHI has been dedicated in part to filling in the holes in the cheese, as I like to call it, yeah. because uh, there will never be a complete um, statewide clinical data repository or claims data repository. It always has holes that need to be filled in. But yes. And so that's been in existence since the 90s, even before, you know, a lot of hospitals were even using EHRs. There was no such, there was no such terminology as health information exchange when Indiana started doing health information exchange. Wow. And, you know, Regan Streif is, is, is a big partner in that. Absolutely. They credit to them. Uh, we're standing on their shoulders. They did some of the pioneering grant funded work that kind of, I, I can, uh, you know, I, 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 you it's in textbooks that I had in business school that say that the electronic health record was invented at the Regan Street Institute in 1972. Mm -hmm. um, I can make the case that they invented health information exchange in the early 90s. You know, we, we're talking about a lot of cool stuff that you guys are doing. Um, when you look across the U.S., do you see other HIEs, you know, a lot of which have been around for, for more than 10 years at this point, even longer, perhaps uh, working on, on similar cool projects as, as they have uh, evolved over past years. And, you know, any noteworthy examples around the country you'd like to highlight? Wow, sure. Um, so uh, you mentioned the Consortium for State and Regional Interoperability at the, at the introduction. Um, that's a, a collaboration between um, my organization, but uh, also Contexture, which includes Carrillo in Colorado, um, Health Current in Arizona, Manifest Medics in California, Sync Health in Nebraska and Iowa, and CRISP in Maryland and a bunch of states that uh, I won't take all the time to name. Uh, and, you know, those aren't the only HIE leaders in the country by any means. Uh, there's some great work being done uh, in other states as well, but we are um, sort of linking arms um, to work together, learn from each other, um, there's certainly the most interesting thing um, uh, that I'm observing, you know, nationally is uh, I've kind of just named, uh, with the exception of my organization uh, and, and Manifest Medics, those other organizations are multi-state um, health information exchange organizations. Um, uh, as recently as just a few years ago, there was, you know, uh, CRISP was the first ones. Uh, that really started serving one state's one, uh, multiple states with HIE services from one organization. I, I think that's going to be a trend. Um, uh, HIE, you know, we've been, <laughs> you could probably find a recording of me talking about this in like, you know, 2008 or something like that. But um, HIE consolidation uh, was predicted and anticipated just for microeconomic reasons. Um, and we're finally seeing it happen at scale uh, and accelerating. I've got, a, I've got a slide that I use in some of my presentations, noting um, the recent uh, consolidations, and it's, it's apparent that, that things are accelerating. How do those consolidations work, you know, typically? I mean, is it just like a merger of two businesses? Or I mean, when you guys are kind of each homegrown from your own particular states, you must do things differently or have different priorities, you know, across state lines. I mean, is it generally a pretty easy stitching together or, or there's oh yeah it's a piece of cake <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's the sarcasm there yeah no uh yeah that is sarcasm 
Um, everyone's different, you know, and that's not fair. They're not all different there, but there's, there's no scripted formula either. Um, some organizations just do a, a, a full merger. And in the case of um, our combination with the Michiana Health Information Network at the beginning of 2020, we formed one organization, brought their employees on board, implemented their customers, and it was not easy and it was reasonably tidy, if you know what I mean. Uh, in the case of uh, like a, a, a CRISP, they have their shared services model with a, uh, an organization over the top that gives uh, um, board seats to organizations that they support, but those organizations continue to exist. Contexture is yet a different model where um, uh, there's CoRio and there's Health Current, but there's an umbrella over the top of Contexture. So you know what? The, 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 uh, the right way to do it is the way that works for, for your state and, and, the, and the organizations involved. Um, what I applaud is the, 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 the courage to get past the barriers and uh, gut through the difficulty uh, of, of those because we need scale. Health information exchange organizations or uh, the emerging term health data utilities, which is not one and the same. Um, they need scale. They need to be at least statewide, in my opinion, to do what they need to do. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I applaud those efforts. I started at Healthcare IT News in, in January 2010, uh, which um, was a different world in a lot of ways um, with regard to, way, to the way health information is exchanged and the way HIEs were being in a lot of ways just stood up for the first time. Uh, there were state efforts. There was, you know, a federal push. There was a lot of different names, a lot of different acronyms, a lot of, you know, different, you know, funding rounds thrown at, you know, and, and there was a lot of hard work. Um, how have you seen this space evolve over the past decade plus? Um, and, and, you know, how has the value proposition changed as well? Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating. It's not very entertaining, but we do, we do uh, observe every, that every year does not end like it starts in this business. Um, which keeps us on our toes and never getting bored. Um, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if things uh, reach some sort of steady state. Um, since 2010 or you know a, a decade, uh, you know as you noted, we were uh, you know there was funding that was being pushed out um, in those days to try and get health information exchanges started um, uh, and. Um, uh, EHRs in those days, it, I would say it's. It, I'm not throwing shade. Uh, it's probably fair to say they they didn't have a, a lot of interoperability capabilities, and in some cases, they really didn't want to build it. Right. Um, that's absolutely changed. Uh, EHRs are uh, more focused on interoperability, somewhat thanks to the state government or the federal government, somewhat thanks to the market. Um, they definitely have better capabilities in that regard. Um, uh, and uh, I remember HIE leaders complaining in, in, you know, or in the early days that EHRs were no good at exchanging data. And then when they started to get good at it, they complained about that. Um, and, and the reality is that we as uh, HIE organizations need to adapt to the market. Our mission statements all say, you know, make health and healthcare better by exchanging data uh, and information. So we can't complain about it when some of our, the other players get better at it. We have to adapt. Um, so that's a big uh, part of the evolution over the last 10 years is that um, the government, okay, nobody should try to start a health information exchange from scratch anymore. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you don't have a good one in your state or your region, find somebody who's got it going on and uh, partner with them. 
don't start from scratch. That's that's not an answer I would have given a decade ago. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, um, uh, this is why I'm personally advocating for this idea of health data utilities. I, I think that um, every state needs a statewide health data utility to do the kinds of things that HIEs do and APCDs do and regional health improvement collaboratives do. Um, and uh, maybe, just maybe, um, the EHR uh, vendors and the provider communities and the federal government will combine to um, get better at that point of care uh, use case. Um, I'm not ready to say that the HIEs don't have a role to play there because at least uh, in my state and many other states, that's still the best game in town in terms of equipping providers with uh, data on their patients. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's not uh, the same everywhere, but uh, yeah, I could, I could fill your next three podcasts with the answer to what's changed in HIE in the last decade, but I'll, I'll stop there. Well, I mean, clearly there's been a lot of innovation and then alongside it, we've seen um, other, you know, types of exchanges arise, Commonwealth, care quality, stuff like that. You know, how do they fit into the mix and do you, do you see this kind of ecosystem all kind of cohering uh, as, as we look into the future? 2016, we passed 21st Century Cures, and it said uh, ONC uh, should do this thing called uh, TEFCA. Um, they didn't tell them how to do it. They just said, do it. And they said, don't disrupt current exchange. And so here we are um, uh, six years later, and we're about to get a TEFCA, slowly but surely. Um, and we got to hold that up next to the, the existing ecosystem that you just made reference to. There is an existing ecosystem. You got health information exchanges, you got the eHealth exchange, you have care quality as a framework trying to bridge those things. You've got Commonwealth um, and um, you've, in different regions um, of the country, even sometimes different parts of states, which is unfortunate, um, they're achieving whatever level of interoperability they have. Now, I wish that every state had a statewide health information exchange that was robust and kicking butt and existed for the last 18 years like IHI has. Um, but I understand that that's not the case. So you have this, uh, I, like, I like to say, this is how we do things in America is we try 17 things all at once and some of them uh, work and we fight it out. And in some cases we compete and in some cases we have government regulation, but I feel like the current ecosystem was finding its way. Um, I think it's healthy that national networks like you named um, force the HIEs to either be really good at what they do or find other value propositions. That's good. Uh, we're supposed to solve the, the nation's health data interoperability problem. We're not supposed to just survive or make more money. We're supposed to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So if somebody else has a better solution, they, that's the one that, that should be implemented. Um, so uh, the, the fact that... Um, uh, uh, the, the current ecosystem was not perfect and continuing to evolve. Um, uh, this is the state that we had that we're throwing Tufka into. You know, are there ways that that uh, you know transition could be eased a bit? Are there you know incentives or or you know somehow you know enticing and uh, or sweetening the pot, so to speak, to 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 you know help you know improve the chances of success. Yeah, I think that don't uh, the, the 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 extent to which they can focus on Tef they can focus Tefka on um, maybe point of care um, and making sure that the different networks that are focused on on point of care data availability uh, work well together 
Um, don't try to be all things to all people. And I'm not, I, I would say, let the market decide. If Tefka is a good idea, um, the, there will be participation in Tefka. And if there isn't uptake, I would discourage heavy handed policy levers to force it because as we saw with meaningful use and, and other past policies, um, the more prescriptive you are, the more you stifle innovation because you take away the freedom of organizations to do things different ways. Tefka is already pretty darn prescriptive. Mm. Um, so let's uh, see um, if the stake of uh, the uh, healthcare system uh, of the United States uh, thinks it's a good idea and adopts it. So in the meantime, and, and I'll make this my last question, you know, besides Tefka, you know, what will you be, you know, focusing on this year and, and beyond at, at IHI? And uh, what do you see for the larger ecosystem as, as you look, you know, towards the future? What we're doing is we're trying to use that as an aspirational uh, model for our organization in Indiana. So what it generally means is uh, everybody kind of knows what HIEs do, but there's a whole bunch of things that need to get done in the business side, on the, on the government side, involving secure curated health data. And if you can just keep lumping those things together into one statewide organization, there's gonna be some, uh, some scale and some efficiencies and some value created. So we're trying to do more things that you wouldn't necessarily expect of a typical health information exchange that serves either our state government or the, the, the healthcare market, whether those are employers or the ultimate payers, uh, commercial payers, uh, providers, of course, but also um, across state government, Medicaid, Department of Health, Department of Corrections. Um, uh, there's many organizations that um, benefit from secure uh, sharing of curated data. So trying to do more of that. Great. And you know, broader picture, you see more consolidation and more kind of spotty, you know, not spotty, but uh, isolated pockets of, of cool innovations across the country too, right? Uh, I, I, I definitely see more consolidations. Um, uh, unfortunately, I wish I was, uh, there was a way that I could say with confidence that these consolidations will lead to all 50 states and six territories being um, served by statewide health data utilities. That's, that's my mental model for um, what would be of greatest benefit to the health of citizens um, uh, and frankly, the efficiency of healthcare and uh, government. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, so I think we'll see more consolidations, but it's gonna take a long time before, um, before we have the whole country covered. All right. Well, there's a lot of hard work being done and I appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to fill us in on some of what's been going on in, in your neck of the woods and, and around the country. So thanks, uh, thanks, John. It's great to talk to you. My pleasure. And thanks, of course, to you for listening to this episode of HIMSCast. We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We'll see you next time.